In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, the unbelievable New England's own Van Helsink. With me, my co-host, the lead investigator for East Bridgewater's Most Haunted, the fabulous Anne Ronway Kerrigan. Hello, how are you? Good, good, good. You want a cell phone? Nope, just a crappy mm. phone. <laughs> we are getting some weird, weird, weird stuff going on. I, I don't know what it is, but uh, we were doing the uh, international show, and we kept getting these heavy breathing, which was, you know, and we kept, everybody was, thought it was everybody else, but it wasn't. It was like <laughs> EVP breathing. Is that possible? <laughs> yeah, you had a little uh, a little stalker, heavy breathing on the line there. Heavy breathing stalker. Uh, anyway. <laughs> And speaking about uh, heavy breathing, I want to wish a uh, happy birthday to the Queen of Pain today. Who's that? Maureen, the Queen oh, of Pain. Oh, oh the Queen of Pain, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. My God, happy birthday, Maureen. Yep, she's uh, 29, I bet you. Again? <laughs> Stuck here or something. So, anyways, <laughs> wherever you are, young lady, we wish you happy, happy birthday, and may all your wishes come true. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, well, not all of them, because I'm married. Oh. <laughs> well, she'll anyway. cross that one off her list. <laughs> yeah, are you kidding me? Every time we said, she go, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ron. So what's yeah. happening with you, kid? Oh, man. No, not a thing. Everything, you name it. <laughs> Do you paint any, uh, you know, faces or any serial killers lately or anything? Uh, well, I don't think I've painted any serial killers, but I suppose they could all grow up to be one. But, um, yeah, I've been painting a lot of kids lately. Busy, busy summer. So. Well, actually, actually, you know, if they eat cereal, they are serial killers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so bad, I know. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I actually have some huge news. What? what? And well, I'm breaking it here today, and, and that is that... Marion and I will be reunited this Friday night on George Norrie's Coast to Coast for, Ooh. for two freaking hours. Oh. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah. you must be special. Yeah, I'm special. Very, very special. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of cool. I'm really excited about it. Uh, it's a great show. I mean, they got millions and millions of listeners, so I'll be so nervous, you know that. No, not you, Ron. No way. Yeah. So, anyways, we, we, 
Yeah. Anyways, we have a great show today, don't we? Yes, we do. And and, and who is on our, our great show today? Ooh, we're going to be talking to the Spooky South Coast Boys about the Bridgewater Triangle. Oh, the boys from Spooky South Coast. Yeah, that should be a song, huh? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> so anyways, uh, I believe we have one of them on the line now, and why don't we bring them in? Awesome. Uh, this is the science advisor for the uh, Spooky South Coast radio show, none other than Matt Manoines, or whatever his last name is. Well, Matt, you're close enough, Ron. Keolik, is it? <laughs> Keolik, exactly. Nobody ever says it that way anymore. Thank you, Matt, for being able to properly pronounce that for me. I really appreciate that. <laughs> Not a problem. <laughs> so, Matt, Matt, uh, you are the science advisor for Spooky South Coast, and why don't you give out your uh, the website for Spooky South Coast and, and where people can listen to it, because it's a cool show. It's been running for a long time. Yeah, we've been on the air now five years, and it's SpookySouthCoast, all one word, dot com. That's easy Pretty enough. easy to find. Very easy enough. And you guys, I think, more than anyone else, have coined the Bridgewater Triangle, although Chris Balzano said but I don't. I don't really believe that, but but I mean, you you guys know more about the Bridgewater Triangle than the Pope. <laughs> I should hope so. You know, considering the Pope is what East German, um, I, I I don't know what he would be doing in the Bridgewater Triangle, but I would have my suspicions. Um, well, I thought they were like all knowing. I didn't. I I don't know. I could be wrong. The Popes? Yeah. You never know. Uh, we you know, divine but, intervention, uh, yada yada. the Bridgewater whatever. Triangle. Um, now, the original person that coined the phrase was, we have to give props to, of course, to, you know, Warren Coleman in his book, Mysterious America. There you and, go. Uh, Absolutely. Some twin articles after that. But, uh, yeah, we, we were able to um, really take hold of uh, investigating the Bridgewater Triangle when we first started out, and um, we helped... Chris Balzano a great deal with the writing of his book and the expansion of the triangle and, and it's um, ever expanding, you know, reach into the people's minds around here locally because people, you know, have always heard about it but never really um, paid much attention to it until now with all of these old stories and a lot of new stuff happening. Mm-hmm. And um, now I definitely think that... Uh, Mr. Balzano did a great job with his book on, on the Bridgewater Triangle, and there are tons and tons of people now interested in the area. And it's, you know, drawn attention to the area and helped, you know, put it seriously on the map in the terms of the paranormal world. If you say Bridgewater Triangle, people out in, you know, Maine and Colorado, even California, are familiar with it. And we even get people that listen to us from, you know, Australia that would love a chance to come out and visit it. Because it's our little hodgepodge of everything. So what, why don't you basically tell us what the Bridgewater Triangle, first the geographical region, and then what is the Bridgewater Triangle? All right. Uh, according to the original uh, text by uh, Mr. Coleman, its first apex is up in Abington, Mass., up near the Boston border. Then the southern point is in Rehoboth, and um, western point would be in Freetown or actually reverse that, but it, it covers those three points and the points in between. It's roughly 200 square miles of uh, what is known as the Huckamuck Swamp. Now, the Huckamuck Swamp is a uh, very old, um, basically Yankee swamp, for lack of a better term, 
It, it, it is um, been here long before the uh, settlers and even the Indians, the Native Americans uh, of the local tribes that uh, inher- inhabited the area, the Wampanoags and such. And uh, they, among many other uh, local Indian tribes, have always thought the place to be of um, nefarious nature. They, they, they tried to avoid it wherever possible because of, you know, the puck wedgies and the other mysterious uh, things that would happen in the swamp. Um, tell, now tell, us got, about, tell us about the puck wedgies. I love the right, puck wedgies. All right, Pukwudgies are um, basically uh, an Algonquin lore. When the Algonquin people stretch from roughly uh, south of Connecticut all the way up to uh, Maine and out through New York. Uh, above that, you have the Mi'kmaqs and other other stuff out into Nova Scotia. But um, they were all part of the Algonquin tribes, and they had the lore of these little people that would lure you into the woods for whatever nefarious means, usually uh, to try and steal, steal you away from, their, from your society to be used for whatever means in their society, whether it be for food or whatever mischievous ends. Sounds like the definition of pimps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bro. <laughs> uh, another description of them is found in every lore. Uh, they closely resemble... The actions of leprechauns from the Irish tradition, they resemble a number of other small human-like creatures that are described in a number of legends around the world. So now they're just the archetype of the local lore. That's what a puckwidgie is, basically. Okay. So we have all, we have a thing for short little men who get us in trouble. <laughs> there right? you go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, 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 that's one way to look at it, yeah. <laughs> and um, that, that goes back into the early settler lore. Now, uh, in roughly in the same area, the first UFO sightings, which happened in the 1600s, didn't happen, or, I mean, happened relatively close to, to this area in, I believe it was the 1680s. And uh, it was logged in uh, the governor's journal, actually, at that particular time. Uh, so we've had UFO reports, a uh, number of Bigfoot sightings. Actually, one of the very first Bigfoot reports actually comes from this area in this country. Wow. And most people don't realize that they think it's, you know, a West Coast thing. No, actually, uh, Bigfoot mentionings uh, are from the early settlers right here in northern New England, not, not so much uh, out West, although... You know, more prevalent out west than than here, but the first reports were from this area. Wow. And uh, of course, we all we also have a number of cults that decide mm-hmm. to use various parts of the triangle, in particular the Freetown State Forest and other locations nearby. Hmm. Why do you Why do you think that the cult? I mean, other than it's in the middle of the woods, but I mean, do you think that there's a specific reason why we have these cults or these satanic? Rituals happening out Satan? I, I can speculate. Um, my speculation would be that, yes, number one, it's, it's proximity to, uh, you know, the surrounding area has a large ethnic population from various cultures. You have Portuguese, you have Cape Verdean, you have 
a number of different other ethnic groups that settled in these areas. And right. with them brings their various belief systems as well, good and bad. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, uh, the remoteness of the Freetown area uh, is good for, you know, trying to hide, uh, you know, what you're doing away from prying eyes. Right. Now, the other reason I suspect is more prevalent in that area, and I'm not going to try and be um, degrading here, but the education factor is a little bit less than you would find in other areas, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. so the... So it, that in combination with um, archaic belief systems and things like that, in the remoteness, the availability of, of the forest, I think, you know, it just made it the right ingredients for it to happen there. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Okay. Could, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, one of the things that, that happens in the triangle, and I know that you're into uh, cryptozoology. Um, I mean, people talk about this all the time, and, and maybe well, I can... Well, just define cryptozoology. I know most people know, but just a quick, quick right. definition of it. Please. Cryptozoology is the study of unknown animals, unknown or undiscovered animals. It actually okay. is considered a science. Now, um, uh, a lot of people don't realize, you know, think it's always oh, just the study of Bigfoot. It's just, no, it's the study of any unknown creature as of yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, the... It includes everything from simple microbes that we haven't discovered that may live in the bottom of a lagoon that's part of a volcano, or it can be something as large as the megamall sharks that they've recently discovered, and you know, or oxen that they've discovered in Vietnam. I mean, every every year we discover numerous, numerous species. Mm-hmm. Okay, that uh, has been unknown to science. So. The study of cryptozoology is just the study of unknown creatures. Okay. That help? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people think I'm an unknown creature, but you know. <laughs> they are right. They may not be far off, right? They may not be far off. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you guys at Spooky South Coast, now you do this big thing every year where you do a, a, a big sh- like weekend show on the, the Bridgewater Triangle. Is, is that correct? That is absolutely Correct. It's one of our most popular shows, and uh, we get literally hundreds of emails asking every year if they can, people can become part of it. And uh, that's no different this year. And uh, we've got something planned for this year that uh, we do every year, but we're expanding it and opening it up to the public if they want to get involved. That's a great idea. And uh, do you want to give a little bit of details how people can get involved in this and, and uh, so forth? Uh, yeah, they can try and email us at Spooky South Coast and um, just, uh, you know, Spooky Crew at SpookySouthCoast.com. That'll go to all of us there. And uh, let us know if you're willing to come out and help. What we're doing is we're selecting a number of places within the triangle and uh, we're pairing up groups together and as well as individuals to go to various locations and report in throughout the night as we go through the show. Uh, we'll set people like at Anawan Rock and at the Ledge in Freetown and various places in uh, Rehoboth, like Palmer River Cemetery and, you know, all, all of the hot spots. <laughs> Sweet. And uh, like I said, we're, we'll, what we'll do is we'll put together groups and we'll select, you know, uh, groups to work together that we think will... You know, work well. 
I mean, we're trying to help with uh, paranormal unity. A lot of people talk about all the bad blood that happens in... Yeah, that does happen in some cases, but something like this, this is, you know, an open forum. This is a chance for people to work together. Mm -hmm. I don't think it will uh, really cause any problems because this is such an open thing, if you understand what I mean. Absolutely. I think it's a great idea, too. I mean, not only the the idea of having groups work together, but also uh, the whole idea of the show and getting uh, the public involved, too. I think it's a great idea. And kudos to you guys. Yeah, I mean, we want everybody to feel, you know, they're doing this together and equally. Um, if you're all got the... Everybody's got the chance to contribute. I mean, every this is the unknown. Nobody knows everything about the unknown. That's why we're looking. So, can't be an expert. So to speak. I know a lot of people like to, you know, say they're experts, but if it's still unknown, then how can you be an expert? Mm-hmm. Uh, Good point. My, I mean, you you may be well-versed in the subject, but you don't know everything, and you can't say that somebody doesn't know something that may be different than what you do, that it's still just as valid. Right. Right. Okay. But the, the cool thing, yeah, I actually was, uh, I forget which show I was on, I think it was the Fearless Ghost Hunter or Darkness Radio, one or the other. And they, we were talking about experts, and I know I don't like to call myself an expert at all, but then uh, I, there was the other person there, too, and, and someone in the chat room actually came up, well, you know, you, you're really copping out because in a way you are, and because you've acquired a lot of knowledge, and, and I think that's True, what he says. Yeah, we we don't like we like to kind of downplay the the expert part of it. And yes, there is no like true expert in that we know everything, but we have acquired a lot of knowledge, and therefore uh, we're more knowledgeable than another person who is just, for instance, has never done anything. So in, in reality, I, I know we don't like the word expert, but. Uh, certain people in the field are certainly more knowledgeable than others. Does that make sense? Granted, yeah, granted. Uh, but you know, uh, we we like to have everybody feel that they're, you know, there for the investigation, for the answers, not for themselves. And so, right, right, and, you know, and that's platform. not the the point I was trying to make. I mean, this was someone that a listener had brought up because, like I said, I, I hate being called an expert, and <laughs> so. Uh, it, you know, it, it is true, though, that we do have a quiet, quiet knowledge, and it, it is our role in acquiring this knowledge to share it with other people. Uh, so, I mean, that's what I'm really trying to say. That's that's kind of our, our duty, if anything. And, and it, that's not discounting anybody else who is just starting out, and they certainly can, uh, you know, look at something differently than, than we know, and they're not wrong, and they probably might discover something that we've never, you know, overlooked all these years. But um, it, it does. It is part of our job is, is being in this field for so long. It is our job to share the knowledge that we have acquired uh, with other people. And that's my two cents. There you go. <laughs> no, I, I fully agree with you, Ron. And a lot of times, you know, like I said, I've been doing this stuff over 20-something years, and right. I like going out with all these new New people because they have the fresh outlook. I remember exactly. when I, I become yeah. I become so jaded over the years from so all, all the things I've had to deal with, and I forget what the zeal was like when I was at you know involved in the younger days, and you get you get a little jaded. 
Correct. And it's good to get a little bit of that, you know, fresh vibe back and, you know, the wonder and openness that, you know, the people come to this with now. Right. It's like, okay, right. here's my experience. Here's what I went through. Hope this helps you. And thank you for letting me see something through your eyes again because I would have missed it if I didn't. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. That, that's exactly right. But, I mean, well, for instance, I mean, for instance, a very, very simple example is is that, uh, uh, you know, a clock radio uh, throws off a lot of EMFs. So if someone's doing an investigation and they're getting high EMFs by a, by a bed with a clock radio on it, I mean, it's our job to say, you know, this is, you know, probably because of this. And so we all, even ahead of time, out to tell someone, yeah, one of the sources, natural sources of high EMF are clock radios. So, I mean, that's what I'm saying as far as we have knowledge to share with other people. Yet, I understand what you're saying, which, and I agree 100%, there is, you know, always fresh uh, blood out there that are looking things totally different. And like you said, we get complacent in our ways sometimes, and, and we overlook the obvious sometimes. Exactly. Exactly. I mean... When you, when you get these people that come out and their heart is into it, I mean, they don't have the experience, but yeah. that's what we're there to help them guide. Right. So it's a perfect combo. Right. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I mean, so I don't even know how that's very that, but that's interesting. <laughs> you started that, Ron. <laughs> I, I, undoubtedly, you know, I'm Pisces. My mind goes everywhere. You know that. It's, but I, I mean, the cool thing about the the Bridgewater Triangle—it's it, such a, a really unique uh, area. I mean, there is so many things—not just paranormal, not just uh, ghosts, but you know, Pakwajis and uh, there's a UFOs high rate of uh, what? It's murder, got something, it's got something paranormal for everyone. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, it's a potpourri. It's, yeah, <laughs> the potpourri of the paranormal. Now, one of the one of the spots that you're having people uh, situated at is out at Anawan Rock. Correct. Are they going to be out there? Can you tell our listeners a little bit what 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 Anawan Rock? What's the history there, and, and what goes on there? All right, I'll give you the uh, history of Anawan Rock uh, that is generally known to the people. Anawan Rock is the point of which. Um, Anawan, who is the son of King Philip, or actually it was a, it was a relative of King Philip. I'm not sure if it was actually a son, but um, surrendered to uh, Captain Church of the, uh, uh, I guess they were the Pilgrim Militia back then. Uh, and they basically marched Anawan and his braves back to Plymouth, and along the way, uh, all the Braves as well as Anawan were beheaded. Ew. They took the they took the wampum belt, which was the tribe's history from Anawan, who who had surrendered. You know, they they surrendered honorably and laid down their weapons and arms honorably to be marched back to Plymouth for a trial. And Church and his men basically slaughtered them back on the way. Mm. Now, the, what happens at Anawan Rock is uh, they'll have People see Native Americans dressed in uh, basically what they wore back then. Uh, now, they describe very tall uh, Native Americans. Now, what most people don't realize is the Wampanoags, the average Wampanoag back then was over six feet tall. 
wow. were very tall and skinny as, as opposed to most Native Americans, which are found out west, are generally shorter. The <laughs> Wampanoags were actually a very tall people. Um, so they describe a very tall Native American uh, walking around the um, the rock. Now, the rock is basically made of what is known as pudding stone or is a it's a compressed aggregate material. Uh, uh, actually, it's left over from uh, the glaciers as, as one of the deposits because it was removed from somewhere else and deposited there. And um, it's a, I'd say, a 50-foot-tall rock, roughly 75 feet around, and it's in a swamp area. It's a natural vantage point for the area it's in to, you know, to make a camp. Mm-hmm. Now, the other weird part that happened there is not just seeing uh, a Native American walking around, you also get the ghost fires. You see campfires around the rock. If you're on top, you you would see light shimmering underneath the trees. Now, uh, Andy Lake of Greenville Paranormal and myself were there at one of the anniversaries of the surrendering, and we actually witnessed this. I, I looked out into the swamp, Mm-hmm. And this is uh, in August. That's, that's when the surrender occurred. And I'm looking out into the swamp, and I'm noticing if you ever have had a fire at night in, you know, in the woods. You know how it shimmers with the golden light underneath the leaves. Right. Yeah, that's what I saw out into the swamp. And I tapped Andy on the shoulder, who was looking in the other direction. I said, "Look out there and tell me what you see." <laughs> Took him a second or two, and then I was like, "Oh." You mean the golden firelight underneath the trees? Yeah, as soon as we sat there and watched it for about, you know, two or three minutes, and then as soon as suddenly as it started, it just stopped. Wow. And just like, and there was no other source of light that could have created this because it had the same shimmer as firelight, mm-hmm. but yet there were no campfires below us. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a, a ball of light that kept traveling in between us, and we had uh, with it, I kid you not, a breeze that had to have been, like, at least in the 30s, passed gently right in between Andy, Andy and myself. And like I said, this is August. Wow. And we both noticed it, uh, you know, in coordination with, you know, this little ball of light traveling around us mm-hmm. and a number of other things going on. Um, but there have been a number of people that have gotten all kinds of EVPs out of there. The most common one they get is the word Lotash which means stand and fight in mm-hmm. Algonquin, in the Algonquin language. Wow. As well as several other Native American words. Well, uh, and, man, uh, we're going to have to hold for a second because we have to take a break right now. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles Live with and Ron Lee Kerrigan and Ron Cohen, our special guest Matt Manoins, and we'll be right back after the following messages. Welcome to Tolkienet, radio with a cutting edge. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly kooky, the Parrax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parrax family. They're strange. Unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew. It's time to rendezvous 
as we give the awards to the Parrax family. This is Cece the Huntress, and I'm going to be the guest speaker for New England Ghost Project with their events, Food and Spirits, held at the Wyndham Restaurant in Wyndham, New Hampshire, June 21st, 7 o'clock. You must purchase your ticket online at www.neghostproject.com. Hey, I'll see you there. We are back. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles Live on Tojinet, Pararex, Ghost Channel and Beyond. I am Ron Kolick. My co-host is Ann Kerrigan. And our very, very, very special guest is the science advisor for Spooky South Coast, Mr. Matt Minois. But anybody has a question for Matt about the, uh, or us, about the uh, Bridgewater Triangle or our experiences you had, you, you can call in at 877-864-4869. That's 877-864-4869, or you can join us live and uh, ask a question in the Tojinet chat room or the Pararex chat room. All right, so I forgot, oh yeah, we were talking about uh, fairy lights. Right? Right. Hello. Roughly, <laughs> that's, a, that's a description of lights. Uh, in England, that, they, that's what they are called. I, I didn't know if you know that. Uh, there's a number of different names for them. And, and yeah, in uh, in England, um, fairy lights are, are supposedly uh, the lanterns of these uh, creatures that uh, lure you into the swamps uh, where you meet your demise. Isn't that kind of coincidental? <laughs> like what I said, the Pukwudgies have you know anecdotal uh, represented representatives around the world. So. <clears throat> Now, isn't uh, Anawan Rock one of the spots where the Pukwudgies are supposedly luring people to, you know, leap to their death? Free, yeah, free, uh, the ledge, right? Oh, that would be the ledge. That's the yeah. ledge. Sorry. Um, so where is the ledge? Because all you do at Anawan would maybe break an ankle. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not, I've been there with uh, Jeff and uh, Andy and Matt, and uh, it's, it's uh, not really, you know, scary. It's not scary there. It's a big rock. <laughs> now, what about the um, some of the UFO things that? Well, that... you asked about wait a minute. You asked about the ledge. I think oh, Freetown Free State Forest and the ledge are uh, are related, right? Uh, yes, they're in the, they're in all part of the state forest. Now, what's interesting about the ledge is the ledge is right abuts Indian property. Uh, Indian tribal property. You have to go through it to get to it. Oh. Uh, now, what's interesting, I have my own story about uh, the ledge and a particular ghost that I saw at the ledge. You may find this of interest. Now, when I went there, I was there with a couple of locals that grew up in the town that, you know, this is uh, myself and uh, what was a girlfriend at the time. We went up there and uh, when you park up at the top of the ledge, there's a narrow pathway that you use to get up to it. And it's a, for those that don't know what the ledge looks like, it's just a big rock precipice above, uh, I'd say about 70 feet up in the air with a sheer drop down to a, uh, quarry. The, there's a pool of water down below and 
the locals would run and jump off and, you know, as a test of manhood and jump in. Also, if you didn't jump out far enough, a lot of people had committed suicide by jumping off the edge into the rocks. Ouch. Yeah. Uh, there's roughly one person killed every year. Last year we were there, somebody had just uh, killed themselves by lighting a bonfire, and they had their back to the ledge, and uh, they put apparently too much gas on the wood, and when it flared up, he stepped back too far and went backwards over the ledge and Ew. died. Like I said, they have somebody die there at least once a year. Wow. Uh, now, when I went there, uh, this is in the 90s, this is back when I was heavily researching UFOs, uh, they brought me up up to this ledge to, you know, for a good UFO observation, you know, because it's a great platform to look out over the horizon because it sits up high, obviously, and you can see over all of the trees and you get a pretty good field of view of the sky. Mm-hmm. And as I'm walking out to uh, where the ledge is, I noticed a woman standing out on the point. Now, I'm between her and the path, and I turned around to the two guys that were bringing me out there, and I said, hey, we're not alone. And I turned back to where the woman was standing, and she was gone. Now, there was no way she could have gotten by me or anywhere beyond my field of vision. And the second it took me to turn and tell the guys and look back. And I thought, she jumped. So I immediately went running to the edge. Wow. And looked down, and it was like, nobody there. And the two local guys started laughing like hell. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you guys laughing at? He's like, you saw the lady of the ledge. Uh, I'm like, who's the lady of the ledge? He's like, the, you know, a typical, um, you know, urban legend folk story, you know, woman was jolted by a lover and, uh, you know, jumped to her death. And uh-huh. it's supposedly in the 50s. And, of course, we do have a number of reports of, you know, people from the 50s is all the way up to current, you know, you know, dying there. Some deliberately, some accidentally, but, you know. And I described the woman. It's like, yeah, that's how she's usually seen. Hmm. It's like, interesting. I'm there to go check for UFOs, and I run into a ghost. <laughs> And not even really looking for it. <laughs> exactly. It's like, I didn't even know about that particular legend. Wow. So, that you know, how could I have been jaded by something I didn't even know about? Right. That's awesome. Yeah, I know we... But, I, I know but I'm we not the only one who have seen her, obviously. Uh, I know that, that we uh, went there with uh, Chris Belzano, uh, and uh, we, we've had some unique experiences there as well. So... Um, Besides the Maureen doing the transgenome thing, uh, when the spirit actually left the body, there was like a light that you could you could see that just kind of like was right above her and behind us. So it was kind of interesting as far as that. Wow. But it is a very cool place to go. And we actually we have a question from the chat room that says, "Can anyone visit that area?" I guess they want to know is is it is it public area or is it yes. All the places that we're going to be sending people to are public access. Mm-hmm. You know, free to the public to uh, go and check out. Um, it's all either on state land or national national park type of stuff, so it's uh, accessible to uh, most people. Mm-hmm. But would you recommend that if people are going to go in there, perhaps they should... Uh, you know, maybe go with someone who's familiar with the area? I mean, is, is there an element of danger in them going out there? Take your average precaution that you would uh, on a general hike. Mm-hmm. 
you know, is just uh, that that would be my best advice. If you plan on spending any time, extended time out in these places, uh, I usually I usually do this as a precaution as well as you know some some form of um, you know check system in case something does happen. I usually go to the local police department in the town and say, "Hey, I'm so and so. I'm going to be out at this location mm-hmm. at at midnight at three o'clock and at you know five o'clock in the morning. Can you send a cruiser by and I'll meet up with them just to make you know as a, as a safety check." Yeah, we're still out here. Everything's fine, type of thing. It lets them know that we're there. It also uh, provides a sense of um, security in case something does happen. We know that there will be a patrol along the way at some point within the next few hours. Right. You know, That's it's a safety safety yeah. factor check. Excellent advice. Because uh, there are a lot of areas though that uh, have just been totally closed off to ghost hunting. I know the Vale Cemetery is one where they will. Uh, arrest you, and also, like, for instance, the Housatonic Tunnel out in North Adams, the same thing. A lot of areas seem to be, you know, they don't, uh, they, you know, they don't want you in those areas at night. And mm-hmm. Well, certain places, if they're private property, yeah, they can enforce the no trespassing ordinance. The things that I'm talking about are, you know, public government land. They can't, mm-hmm. they cannot stop you because it's public land. Uh, they can try and do whatever they can to curtail you, you know, but legally they cannot stop you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's better to work with them because uh, I find in most most cases, most police departments have no problem with ghost hunters as long as they know what they, you know, as long as you're telling them ahead of time so they don't come to the report of, hey, I got a report of flashlights going through this building. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, if you inform them, hey, we're going to be at this location, from this time to this time, send a cruiser by every so often, and we'll check in with them, and, you know, everything's on the up and up. They like that because mm-hmm. it gives them an excuse to go do something, especially <laughs> at night. Most, no, seriously, most night crews, when I talk to most of, most of the police departments, they're happy to have something to do. Right. It gives them something, you know, okay, I'm going to be in this area, all right, so, all right, you know. Oh, well, they're out anyway. Happy, you, know, you got what I mean? Yep. They're out there anyways. They might as well do, be doing something. <laughs> right, something constructive. It's it's good in the long haul, anyways. It just it works out uh, good relationships between uh, the groups and and the police department as well. Mm-hmm. Well, let the police departments know which, which groups are actually serious about what they're doing and which ones are you know just there to thrill seek. You know, most thrill seekers are the ones that cause the most problems. <laughs> right. You go there, they cause damage, they leave trash. You know, most people out there to investigate. One of the things that you generally want to do is not be intrusive at all because you're looking to leave the environment in which the activity is most used to being in. So mm-hmm. you're studying in its natural state. You don't want to. You don't want to disturb it. Mm-hmm. If that if that makes sense. Right. I, I believe we're being joined now by another one of the boys from Spooky South Coast. And uh, Tim, are you there? I am here. And hey, Tim. We, <laughs> how you doing, guys? We are talking with uh, Tim Weisberg. Did I get that right? Oh yeah! Wow, that's a, that's amazing. Yeah, in itself. <laughs> uh, and he is also with uh, Spooky South Coast, and uh, also on the line is Matt Moines or Moines or whatever. I'll never Moniz. Right. Moniz. Get close enough. Moniz. Well, you, you know what? How do you spell it? M O I N Z. No, M O N I Z. 
Uh, all right, because I, I used to play hockey with uh, uh, Matt Moy, and what, yeah, maybe that's why. Okay, moving right along. <laughs> so, it's going to be Matt. <laughs> uh, anyways, Tim, uh, welcome aboard, and uh, you know, you you are one of the founding fathers of Spooky South Coast, correct? Uh, yeah, it was uh, kind of my craziness that, that <laughs> launched the whole thing. If uh, if I was tired of talking to myself about it, I figured maybe I'd suggest radio listeners to it. <laughs> and you've been doing it ever since. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if they're listening, but uh, I like to pretend they are. So, right. yeah. the and uh, you, there is also a, a third member of Spooky South Coast, I believe. Yeah, Matt Costa. We call him the Silent Assassin because he uh, he, he stays pretty quiet, but when he does speak, you'd better listen. <laughs> Ooh. And, right. and this and your show can be heard uh, live, I believe, every Saturday. Is it? Yep, Saturday nights at 10 o'clock uh, on SpookySouthCoast.com. That's the easiest way to get it. And now we're on all kinds of uh, different apps for your cell phones and Sweet. iPods and everything else. So There you go. <laughs> and, and so, I mean, I know we're talking about the the uh, East Bridgewater or whatever it is, the Bridgewater Triangle or whatever. Um, but, I mean, you guys have been doing this for five years, uh, Tim and uh, Matt, and... What do you think was probably your most interesting show that you re- after it was over you say, "Wow, that was really a great show." <laughs> it seems like almost every week that happens. I mean, yeah, we, I know you're gonna we say like, that. <laughs> well, it's it, it just sometimes you'll talk about the most, you know, you'll plan the most mundane show. You know this, Ron. You'll you'll bring somebody on and you'll have a feeling like, "Gee, I don't I don't really know where I'm going to go with this show," and and then when it happens at the end of it, you sit back and you say, "Wow, that was one of our best shows because." You didn't have any preconceived notions about what the show was going to be, and you let let it just happen. Right. But, I mean, if I had to pick some favorites, uh, I I always love handling the local stuff, the Bridgewater Triangle investigation shows, shows about Lizzie Borden. But just personally, my all-time favorite ones are ones where we deal with rock and roll legends and curses. Really? Oh, that's one of my favorite topics, and it's one of those things where – even if people don't believe in the paranormal and they don't want to talk about the paranormal, they're willing to talk about whether or not Paul McCartney is really dead or, you know, if Leonard Skinner was cursed. Uh, they're always willing to talk about that kind of stuff. And, uh, I, mean, I mean, that's your passion, but, I mean, how would Matt fit into this, Matt? Me? Well, yeah, Matt. you. So if, 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 oh, if Tim's the number of years is about town, his man, so, yeah, I, I, I could respect what Tim's talking about. I've worked with a lot yeah, of Yeah, Matt looks rollers. like he was in one of those bands. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we all know that, but that's besides the point. <laughs> so I definitely have no problem with that. Um, uh, probably one of my more favorite shows is definitely the uh, Bridgewater Triangle shows. Uh, in particular, one was doing with uh, Horgan, one of the first ones, uh, because it was a spooky night. It was all very, very foggy all through where we were going, and we we were getting lost, having fun with it, but that night everybody that participated had some sort of activity. If I if I do recall correctly, mm-hmm. yeah. And actually, and, Matt, uh, you were one of the you were part of a pretty special show too. Uh, speaking of John Horrigan, um, when you guys were tracking down the Dover Demon on the on the anniversary, uh-huh. the 30th that, anniversary, that, that the one Dover was very Demon special. Started. Yeah. And you were actually the the Dover Police Department actually gave you permission <laughs> to continue with what you were doing. 
Right, and we watched them arrest other people around us doing the same thing. But they, <laughs> we would, like I said, you talk to the police first. Right. <laughs> if they know you're there doing this, then they left us alone. They waved to us and beeped every time they drove by and arrested somebody else going down the road and hanging out in the field. <laughs> so wait a minute. Let, this is kind of interesting. Let, let's let's talk about this a little bit. First of all, a, a brief synopsis of what the Dover Demon is, and then. Uh, what you guys actually did and, and your experiences in this show. Okay. The Dover Demon was a uh, creature that was seen by um, four or five different, I guess they were teenagers at that time and uh, uh, seniors in high school. Started with, uh, with three guys driving in a Volkswagen up the top of a hill and uh, the driver seeing this creature walking up on all fours across crossing a um basically a stone fence like the thing was climbing over a fence it described it as having a big head skinny body skinny arms and legs and fingers and these big glowing eyes very much similar to like what's reported in a lot of alien cases i don't know i think now, it sounds like ron yeah, uh-huh. besides besides yeah i guess you could sound like ron and uh <laughs> Further on down the hill, uh, another teenager saw this, what he described as a, he thought was a person, a person he knew from school, and he started talking to this thing. As he got closer, he noticed that it looked definitely different, very much like what the other three gentlemen had saw only a couple hours before up the hill, mm-hmm. and uh, this thing walked down, down into this little river and ravine and out of sight, and at the bottom of the hill right where the river uh, empties out from the top of the hill. Uh, a young couple that were driving a male and female, the female saw the thing crossing the road with their boyfriend. And all of this was reported on uh, what, the following day. Now all these kids all compared notes, and it was uh, in Mysterious America again by you know Mr. Coleman, and um, he coined the term Dover Demon. No, uh, on the, the anniversary I saw a that sketch of it actually that uh, Jeff Belanger has. Yes, that was done by the sketch is done by the first witness in the uh, Volkswagen because he actually is now a graphic Bill artist. Bill Bartlett. Yes, um, he 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 drew the creature from his memory and what he saw, and that's the most common uh, used photo uh, in regards to the case. But while John Horgan and I were there. We stopped at all of these spots that this thing was seen, and I noticed that, you know, this river continued on from where we first saw it because we were up at the top, and I watched these deer jump over the stone wall, continue across the road, jump the the guardrail beside us, and then can follow down the river. And I was <laughs> like, this makes sense. This is a game trail, path of least resistance. And as we were talking about this, I was pointing it out to Mr. Coleman, who in turn, was very fascinated with that and he, because he came up with the same suspicion but didn't put it really in the book. And here we were confirming his thoughts and, you know, outside people making the same notation. Mm-hmm. And like I said, when we got down to the final area, we flagged down the police and said, hey, we're doing a radio show. This is in regards to the... And they were familiar with the case and they, that's why they said they were out there to kick out all of the uh, licky-loos that were going to be up in the bottom. And that's exactly <laughs> what they did. People will be stopping up and down this road. We're watching them, you know, go out into the fields there, and the cops come out and with the flashlights, and they take them out and arrest them and drive by us and wave and beep and, you know. 
And what made it special for me is while Matt and John were out in the field, we had Lon Coleman on the phone with us. And so we were actually talking with him about his experiences investigating the original reports. And, you know, anybody who, who is involved in the paranormal, especially in cryptozoology, knows Lauren Coleman is one of the gods of the field. And we're just trying to win his respect. And I think by the end of that two hours, we definitely won his respect uh, because of the way that we handle things and because, you know, I think he realized that we're probably very similar in his vein of where we consider ourselves to be reporters, we consider ourselves to be investigators. We're not out there to debunk it. We're not out there to, to prove it. We're just there to let people know what happened and what's going on. Hmm. Very good analogy. Now, is that show by any chance archived? If somebody wanted to listen to it? Yeah, absolutely. Every one of our shows is archived uh, right on SpookySouthCoast.com or through iTunes or anywhere they might get podcasts. You'll always find uh, every one of our episodes. Sometimes it takes a little while for us to put them up there, <laughs> but they do all get up there. And I just, I just noticed, guys. I don't think I have a link on my site from you guys. Uh oh, I don't. Uh, get it up uh, there. We're, we're in the process of, uh, of we're working on a new website, and we're going to have a, a new webmaster shortly. So, uh, hopefully, when everything gets together, we'll send you guys what you need. And uh, if we don't already have a link to yours, we definitely will. Yeah, I think that's that'd be a great idea. You got to contact my webmaster because if any time you contact me. Who knows if you ever hear from me again? Uh, <laughs> I'm awful with email. Everything seems to get buried. So I do apologize to everybody for that. <clears throat> so the best way to do it is definitely contact my webmaster. She is far more. Uh, never mind. Move right along. <laughs> what I do, what I do, Ron, is when I want to get you, I just pass the message on to the ghost and use them as an intermediary to get the word out to you. There you go. There you hey. go. It's funny you say that. We did an event uh, <laughs> the other night, Dining with the Dead, and I had uh, Cece Carroll on, and she was doing this EVP thing at the uh, Wyndham restaurant, and um, she does live EVPs, which is kind of neat. Uh, you know, she'll just ask them, and then she plays them back right away and, mm-hmm. and gets It's kind of neat, neat thing to do anyways. But anyways, uh, yeah, the ghost said Ron. So that was kind of cool. You know, it's like, I think it was cool. Yeah. <laughs> and then what, what he wanted. <laughs> but anyways. So, I mean, I think you guys have a really, really, really great show, and I know you've been at it for five years, and, and you you got great topics. You you not only cover, cover ghosts and stuff, but you're right into the UFOs and cryptozoology and any anything that's really, like, weird besides Matt. Uh, is <laughs> so I mean this this show I mean once I know we're coming down on running out of time but I, I'm really excited about the show you have coming up this weekend and people can actually participate in it so you got to go to this spooky South Coast website and pop these guys an uh, email and and get involved with it and uh, I think it's going to be a neat idea and uh, I'd love to hear uh, what happened if you guys could uh, follow up and let me know. Well, the best part of these shows is you never know what will happen because Mm -hmm. uh, normally we're sending groups out to locations that they might be familiar with. Uh, So you always have the possibility of the activity being the star of the show. And and this year, because we've been doing it so many years, covering the same topic so many years, it's an annual event for us, we're going to be pairing groups up with others that they might not have worked with in the past. So uh, in addition to that paranormal investigation aspect, we also have the the group dynamic and how that's going to work out and whether or not 
you know, every time Whaling City Ghost goes to Anawan Rock, they know that they get certain results. But what happens if, you know, New England Paranormal joins them and somebody different is there? So it's, it, it'll be interesting on our end, uh, you know, because we have to suffer through sitting in the studio with Chris Balzano. Mm-hmm. All right. So well, he's, he's going to be here by tears. phone, right? Oh, by oh, the no. way, uh, Jeff Belanger says he'll probably drop in too. Excellent. Nice. In the stu- in the studio? Yeah. In the studio. <laughs> oh, I better lock the doors. <laughs> <laughs> How many paranormal groups do you think you actually have participating in this? Because I'm I'm a, I'm also part of Bay State Paranormal Society, and I know they're participating. Yep, How many well, others? Bay State. We've got Whaling City Ghosts on board. We've got Dartmouth Anomalies Research Team. Uh, we've got uh, John Brightman's New England Paranormal Group. Uh, there's there's uh, at least five or six different different groups. Uh, spies will be involved. So there's five or six different groups plus a number of individual investigators uh, who are going to be joining us. Uh, Linda Lynch, who has a new group, Vale's Edge, she'll be involved. Uh, Mike Markowitz, who, of course, works with Bay State but is kind of working independently that night. Right. Uh, he'll be hanging out with Dart and, and Vale's Edge. And, you know, and uh, we've got a few other newbies who want to kind of get involved and might step foot in the field for the first time. Tim, can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. Sure. Do you think we'll ever run out of names for paranormal groups? <laughs> you know, there's so much overlap. They like to pretend like there isn't, but there's so much overlap. Oh. I, if I hear one more group name that rhymes with TAPS, I might throw up in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they all got to stretch the uh, acronyms. Or whatever, I can never say that. Well, whatever it is. You know what I mean. They got to make oh, yeah. it whatever to, to yeah, make it Yeah, now they're like sound. 26 letters long. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I should complain. Mine's got like 26. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> but at least it's catchy, Ron. It is? <laughs> yeah. We're going to go as far as it's a catchy name. You know, we went with the alliteration, spooky South Coast. You know, when you start getting into things like, you know, Bob and Joe's paranormal all-investigative team and radio show, <laughs> it doesn't really have that ring to it. No, I kind of like that. <laughs> Although I, I'm a big fan of Bob and Joe. They do good work. <laughs> but, but I know that was the uh, two-minute warning, so uh, I want you guys, I mean, we kind of dominated, but uh, anything you guys want to bring out uh, before we go off the air, I would have appreciate it. Now's the time to do it. Well, I want to invite you once again, Ron, to come back on our show because we still haven't talked about your book on Spooky South Coast, so we need to get you back to talk about it. Yeah, it'll have to probably be solo because the Queen of Pain is like on uh, hyenas or something. She's uh, in sabbatical or whatever. She well, doesn't uh, do interviews I mean, anymore. I, although, although, I, I guess if... Uh, go ahead. If we if we need a buffer, you know, we could always see if Ann wanted to come and hang out. You know, if uh, we needed somebody to kind of rein you in a little bit, because you know you're on the other side of the table from me, so yeah. I can't really reach out and choke you if I need to. <laughs> yeah. I'll be the intermediary. But, but I, I would absolutely love to be on your show again because you guys it was a lot of fun last time I was there. The, the town kind of stunk uh, literally, but uh, you know <laughs> it, it was interesting. Don't blame us. Blame the restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I also, uh, I know we're running off the air, we've got one minute left, but uh, we're actually going to be on uh, George Norrie's Coast to Coast this uh, Friday from 1 to 3, Maureen and I together, so I guess she does still do some interviews, so maybe we can uh, uh, talk her out of retirement, although I doubt it. <laughs> well, I she can do it for George, she can do it for us. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, that's what I was going to say. 
<laughs> Anyways, guys, thank you so much for coming on the show. You guys were really great. And once again, it's Spooky South Coast. You've got to check it out. Definitely check out the show. Check out the archives and, and go on to the website. And uh, when you get your new website out, we'll, we'll uh, link up. So we definitely have an easy link for uh, listeners as well. All right. Thank you very thank much. You. Thank you, guys. Good thank night. Thank you. Good night. Yep. Good night. Wow, that was cool, Anna. They are very interesting guys to talk to. Yeah, and they're good guys too. Like I said, I, I did. I've done their radio show before. I drove all the way down to where the hell East Swabowski or wherever it is, and uh, <laughs> oh, oh, it took me like two hours to get there. Oh yeah, from where you are, absolutely. Yeah, from where I am. Yeah, yeah. that's where I usually come from. Where I am. Yeah, not close like me. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyways, uh, it was a great show. Uh, those guys are, like I said, great, and you gotta get. Check out this weekend thing they're doing. It's going to be awesome. So I, I hear the music somewhere in the background. It's always so low I can never hear it, but I think it's time to wrap it up. Just turn up your hearing aid. Yeah, watch it. Uh, so it's time to say good night and God bless everyone. Good night. From goalies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord. You're listening to...